This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Reality Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And along this morning, we have Richard Barge from the, what is it, the New Zealand Hemp Industry Association. And coming up, they have their iHemp Summit. And what we're going to do is talk to Richard and find out more about hemp. But before we get into this, Richard, you sort of have a PR problem, I'm thinking, because when I think hemp, I think of a Rastafarian in a hippie bus smoking weed, and that's all I think, because I think hemp and I think Nando Tetchos and the smelly people that are lying around, you know, spaced out. Then, to prepare for this interview, I went onto your website, I Hemp, and I'm amazed, right, because there's this entirely different world. But hemp conjures up a connotation, does it not? Well done, Rodney, and and thank you for the opportunity to to come on Reality Radio. It's uh, it's a great privilege to to be here and a great opportunity to to share some information. And 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 this is exactly why we need to share information because we do have an image problem. You're quite right. Um, it, 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 and that's um, you know that stereotype that people have when you hear of hemp. Um, others um, would say, "Oh, I used you know, especially if they're a little older, might say, oh, I used to use the hemp cordage, and they would have an understanding of the industrial use of it." But um, generally, when people, um, and particularly politicians, but most people, when they hear of hemp, the next word to connect to that is cannabis, and then the next word invariably out of their mouth is bad. So, you know, it, it really is a, an image problem. And, and what, what we're about is the low THC um, version of cannabis, um, which is by definition in our regulations called industrial hemp. So ours is more of an industry and and uh, and hopefully we'll get to talk about the many, many uses and, and the way it can be um, utilised in our economy and our environment. Um, but yes, that image problem is, is quite a quite a stigma to overcome. Have you um, thought was, of changing the name? <laughs> yeah, it has come up. Um, um, and and to be fair, I mean, you know, the the, the whole thing with Facebook, for example, um, a lot of companies use Facebook to get traction in the market and share their message. Because we're industrial hemp, even Facebook classifies us as um, cannabis or, or, or oh, wow. you know, wow. recreational. So, so they ban our, you know, we can't boost anything. Um, so yes. if you... You know, and a lot of people like um, that would set up a, a Facebook site and then they get um, banned by Facebook individually, then they can't even use it very well either. So, you know, there's lots of things to consider um, in that multimedia marketing sort of space about industrial hemp. But you're right. I mean, do we do we come up with another name or another acronym? Um, there, there is some you know, opportunities there because uh, there, there, you know, there is some words that can incorporate um, seed and natural fibre applications of, of annual plants that, you know, could go under the heading of hemp. Um, but it's it's a, it's one that we, we know that it um, is recognised and we just need to do it probably a whole lot more. Um, but if so, we had a Saatchi and Saatchi budget, you know, of course yeah. we would consider having a, having a new So you know. when you say industrial hemp, you're thinking of growing a plant 
for the fiber and industrial products, not for the smoking of pot. Correct. So um, whether that be recreational or medicinal. So so we're separate from both of those things, recreational and medicinal. They tend to involve a higher THC um, plant and industrial hemp in our New Zealand regulations is defined as having a THC content of less than 0.35%. So that's 0.35% or less. So in effect, we have no drug um, no narcotic drug in industrial hemp. So there's no way that you would be able to use industrial hemp to get a psychotropic effect okay, that you would okay. be looking for if you were a THC user in that medicinal and recreational space. Now, that that said, that they have a lot more risk of diversion into that illicit market, whereas industrial hemp, because it has no drug value yeah. doesn't have a doesn't have that sort of um, risk of diversion into the illicit market so we we should just be another arable crop out there growing and you know we we can get into this as we go along rodney but you know there, there's an arable crop and there's also an horticultural crop and, and and if i just take a moment to explain why these two things are very very important particularly to new zealand um but they're also protected because the, we're talking about the United Nations, United Nations Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs, 1961, and New Zealand and many other countries are signatories to that. And in there, in Article 28.2, it says that all the controls that they have in place for the narcotic drug cannabis don't apply to industrial hemp for industrial and horticultural purposes. So they recognise that many countries have a traditional use of growing, for, as you mentioned, for the fibre, growing for the seed and growing for a horticultural purpose. And that's enshrined in the UN Convention on Narcotic Drugs and also protected by the Psychotropic Substances Act and the other uh, UN conventions. So we don't, we're not classified within them. We're, we're sort of separate to that. And that's what okay. gives us an industry, Rodney, that, you know, we, we're We've got a, a regulations in place in New Zealand, 2006, the Industrial Hemp Regulations under the Misuse of Drugs Act, which is a bit of a problem for us, but hopefully we'll be able to unpack that as well. But that, that's really the basis of why we can have an industry, because the UN has acknowledged that this is a significant um, industry and, and it, has, it has to be protected. And we, we just want to get involved and, and move it forward. So in New Zealand at the moment, if I want to grow... Industrial hemp, can I? Yes, you can. Uh, we had some trials in 2000 to 2005, which addressed the problem, is there any risk of diversion? Is anybody interested in using um, industrial hemp um, illegally um, for for you know for for that recreational purpose? It was proved that there was no there was no um, concerns there, so there was very little risk. So what we ended up with was. Um, the path of least resistance, I guess, was to put the hemp regulations under the Misuse of Drugs Act because cannabis was already mentioned in the Misuse of Drugs Act. So now we have the Misuse of Drugs Act in brackets, industrial hemp, uh, close brackets, regulations 2006. So since 2006, you could uh, you can now apply for a licence and the licences cost $511, including GST, um, to grow industrial hemp. And um, there's another type of license you can apply for 
that is a processing license because um, the way they treated the cannabis seed is also a classy drug. So if you wanted to possess whole cannabis seeds, industrial hemp seeds, <coughs> excuse me, for processing, then you would need a license as well. But those licenses last for three years and the cultivation license is issued for one year, but you can do two renewals. So you can get three years out of that one license. Now that would mean that on that location where that license is um, assigned, then you can grow industrial hemp and that might be a trial, uh, you know, a very small area, or it could be 10, 20, 100 hectares, depending on your farming operation. And are those licenses granted readily or are there hurdles to leap? Um, is there a problem in getting a license to grow hemp or renewing it? What is it? You know, that's it's, it's not difficult, no, um, in the sense that uh, it, it is run by the Ministry of Health. We've just had a bit of a change of the team that's regulating it. Now the, the team that was involved with medicinal cannabis, the regulatory authority agency, also look after industrial hemp. Of course, they're issuing licenses under our industrial hemp regulations, nothing to do with the medicinal because we're not making medicinal claims. You know, so we're not part of medicine, we're part of industrial and horticultural crops. So to answer your question, yes, there is a, a form to fill out. Um, there's a bit of repetition in the form. You'll have to know the location where you want to grow it. You'll have to have a responsible person, at least one person that can sign on the form. And that's the person that's in the um, firing line for if anything goes wrong, the Ministry of Health contacts that person. So not unusual to have somebody that takes the lead. Um, that responsible person would have to have a police check and as long as they don't have any um, major convictions, particularly for drugs or dishonesty, um, you know, there shouldn't be too much of a problem passing the police check. Um, then the location would be reviewed. And people have this thing because there were some guidance notes written a long time ago about being within five kilometres of a school. Actually, in the regulations, it's within five kilometres of a built-up area. And, um, you know, but there's there's some discretion there because the, even the people in the Ministry of Health understand that, you know, you can have a um, be in a quite private or a farmland area, but be quite close to a built up area. So, you know, there's some discretion there. So if you if you have a location that is quite close to a, um, a built up area, don't necessarily write, write it off as a potential site because they can, you know, you can explain to them why this site is safe. And that would be things along the line of, you know, it's not visible from the road. You know, you have to go down the driveway and the field is behind the house. So there's, you know, ways around that. And there's a bit of, there's a few maze in the um, regulations. So there is some discretion um, okay. that the team and, has. And so when your hemp is growing in a paddock, does it look, exactly like a marijuana plant, but without the high concentrations of THC? A little bit depends on how you're growing it, because in an arable paddock, it would be planted quite close together. Yeah. So the stems would be quite close and you would just have sort of one flowering head at the top that's turning to seed if you're growing for a seed crop. So um, the plants do look uh, very much alike. Yes, you're right. Um, the, the, that, that's That's a fact. Um, but, you know, we have, that's why we get the licence so we can then say to the local police, which is one of the conditions of the licence that we planted in this area, 
So there's no chance that they're going to I come see. around and go, oh, we found the mother load, you know, yes. you know that's, that's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, and then you've got to do an annual return every year. And if you do that, uh, which is a sort of a summary of your registers of what you've grown, what you've harvested, seed yields and your seed register, then you would um, complete that process. And then you, you should be fine to apply again for that renewal for the following year. Right. And so it's not it's not arduous, but for, a, for an arable farmer who is used to planting carrots and onions, it's like, well, I don't need that level of compliance. I don't want to do a police check. So we do have a, a problem there. You know, the early adopters will always be willing to do a little bit of that sort of work, but ultimately, you know, it's got to be a lot easier to get on with if we want farmers to use it for phytoremediation purposes, for example, as part of their riparian we'll, planting we'll, or stopping we'll, nitrogen. We'll get into that, but um, that, 2006 regulation must have been a big victory for you. Oh, absolutely. You know, in, in the in the 90s when we started, the New Zealand Hemp Industries Association was started by a chap called Matt McIntosh, a legend, legendary Kiwi. You, you should have him on your show at some point. Um, and in 1997. So, you know, in, in the late 90s, there was a moratorium in government on anything to do with cannabis. So we couldn't even talk about industrial hemp because no one, you couldn't get past the word cannabis. So we uh, produced a five-minute guide to industrial hemp and sent that to all the politicians and yes, eventually, oh, very good. Thank you. And and and, and quite a few, um, you know, we, we had... Um, you know, quite a few people, Rod Donald, Philip Bunkle, you know, those sort of people started to come out as the regular as the trial regime went in, in, into place. But lifting that moratorium was a was a massive um hurdle. Um, but then we got a bit of momentum and it passed the trials with flying colours and and then you know then we we're away and then it's like, well, you know, let's get it on. But that that word cannabis is still in our conversation. And and even though there's a uh, an understanding that we're low THC industrial hemp, less than 035 percent. There's still we're still treated like a drug crop. You know, it's it's yes. it's quite an interesting phenomena. So, um, but yes, a, a massive um, uh, it's celebration. It's a bit like it's a bit like criticizing barley because it makes alcohol, right? Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's 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 lots of those sort of examples. I mean, poppy seeds. Yeah. Um, you know, and and but you can freely buy them and, mushrooms. and things. Uh well not yeah, mushrooms is slightly different because there's um, you know, that they are um still illegal, but poppies aren't illegal to cultivate, you don't need a license, mm. but yet you can produce heroin from them. So um it's it's you know, there there are some inconsistencies there, and we would like to work with the government on on these workability issues because we think that they can really um, streamline the process of issuing licenses and help us as an industry to really develop because um you know it was wasn't until 2018 that we got a, a law change to allow us to, um, to have hemp seed as hum as a human food so you know there, there's massive amounts of work to do because of course with a license, we can now grow industrial hemp. And in the regulations, it states that only industrial hemp can make hemp products. So, which is a great closed loop. You know, they've got a little bit of controllers and they issue the licenses and only low THC industrial hemp can be made into hemp products. And as long as we're not passing off um, high THC products under the guise of industrial hemp, everything is fine. And once we have a hemp product, then we have to um, comply with all the other 
regulations. In the case of a hemp seed food, it's the food code. Got if it. you've got a building material, you'd have to apply for the you know coding for the building materials. If you have other types of uh, product, then you have to comply with you know whatever relevant legislation. And that's what makes our legislation you know thirty three pages, I think it is, but it's very very easy to understand because all it does is issue licenses to produce industrial hemp products. And once you have a hemp product, you don't need a license. You know you can have that at home and eat it and and wear it and. Yeah, have a house built with it and that sort of thing. So uh, it's Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. I'm talking to Richard Barge, who's the chairperson of the New Zealand Hemp Industry Association. We're talking hemp. They've got a summit coming up and we're learning uh, about this product and we're learning about the difference between it and, well, I, it's a cannabis plant, but it's not grown for cannabis getting high. It's a THC so low, it's irrelevant. Now, is there much? The regulations changed in 2006 to allow, with a license, a growing of hemp. Is there much interest in growing hemp, Richard? Uh, there, there, there was um, and there is, and there continues to be um, a growing interest, although it, it peaked in that 2018-19 period when the food law changed. Okay. And just just to understand that the first application for hemp as a food went in in nineteen ninety eight. So twenty years later, because <laughs> our food code um, in the two thousands, we joined as you possibly be aware, we joined Australia. So they get yes. nine votes and we get one vote. Um, so all our food ministers get together and vote on these issues. And the first sort of two, three applications that went in all got um, the first ones got voted down unanimously. They don't tell us how they vote. It's a closed sort of a meeting. But uh, eventually the food ministers, um, our, actually one of our food ministers, Honourable uh, Goodhue um, uh, from Rakaia, um said enough is enough. And they said, right, and, and they along with Tasmania demanded that the food people actually put forward a proposal, which was ultimately adopted, but it still took 20 years to get across the line. So we had an industry in 2006, but no markets for it. But luckily, um, we at the time had some politicians that um, when we joined the Australian Food Safety Authority um, said, well, no, we've had hemp seed oil in the country this whole time. We're going to allow that to continue. And that was quite a Quite a fight that they had on their on their um, on their plate, but you know, um, Honourable Annette King, you know, she stood her ground and made it happen, which mm. protected the hemp seed oil industry in New Zealand, which allowed the industry to continue because without that market, there was no industry. So we were fortunate that the hemp seed oil continued for human use by New Zealanders, but not in Australia. And then eventually people started using hulled hearts and things in Australia and flouted the law. And then in New Zealand, obviously, this uh, food code change happened in 2018 and we adopted it in 2019. So the area grown went up quite a lot. You know, we were around sort of four or 500 hectares, went up to 1,300 um, for that season. And then they grew a lot of um, hemp seed. And then so now it's every sort of second year the this, you know, it goes up a little bit, but um, because most people have got enough hemp seed for their processing requirements, uh, it hasn't really carried on growing. That okay. said, though, um, you know, we, we just need better penetration because it's still early adopters. 
you know, the, the, the hemp food industry, you know, is by no means mainstream. When it becomes, I mean, soya wasn't in everything, was it, you know, no. 20 years ago, and now it's everywhere. So hemp seed could do the same thing. This is a superfood. I mean, you know, the essential fatty acid profile, omega-3, 6, and 9, is actually in a perfect relationship to what the human body needs. So it's it's a really smart plant. It's got heaps of all the amino acids are in there, and then you've got the dietary fiber um, the protein, the carbohydrates, you know, it's a wonderful, it's a superfood. It's a classic definition of a superfood. So the more people in New Zealand can be using and, and eating it, then the healthier they're going to be relieving pressure on, you know, all sorts of things in the health system as well. So, you know, we we, we do, again, um, a branding issue to get that hemp seed food out there, but it's it's happening. So and, what, um, I, I could use the hemp seed oil. I could use it like I'd use any other oil in the kitchen and in a salad dressing. Can I cook with the oil or do I just? It's it's, it's because of the essential fatty acid profile. It's not a, an oil that you would fry okay. with in heat. But it's like it's a fish oil. Really, it's good and healthy too. Oh, massively. Yeah. yeah Olive. Yeah. yeah. And what other food comes from the plant that we could use? Well, from the from the seed, the byproduct from the yes. extraction of the oil is the hemp seed cake, which has got heaps of protein, and that can be refined into flour and um, protein, you know, concentrates. Um, you've also got the husks from the dehulling process, and they have their own um, set of uh, values. Again, a lot of dietary fiber. You've got the heart, which is after you've dehulled it and you've got the husk off it, you've got this inner heart, which means it's no longer a seed. So people can store that as a hemp product in their in their pantry and in their fridge. What you've got to consider with hemp seed foods is don't expose them to heat, light, and air. They're the enemies. So okay. you know, if you so you want to buy it in a dark packaging, you know, so nothing yeah. that you could see through, those sort of things. Now, when you're talking about other foods from the plant, well, then you start getting into the leaf, the flowering top, the roots. Now, as we've discussed, there's no you know, no negligible amounts of THC. So those leaves and flowering tops can be made into teas, which are fully available over in England and things like this, um, all over the world, really. I mean, you might recall um, New World had a pickup where they started selling hemp tea, which is basically loose um, industrial hemp leaf, you know, um, ground up. Um, but that, that because it's not sort of recognised by the food code, is a little bit more difficult in, in the Australian New Zealand market. But the, the market for those products, so we've sort of moved away a little bit from the, fu- you know, the functional food as far as nutrition with the omega-3s and amino acids and that sort of thing. And now we're moving more into this functional food because of um, and, and, and sort of dietary supplements and natural health products now. Because what we're doing is using that leaf and the flowering top, and instead of sort of talking about the nutrients in there, we're now considering the uh, cannabinoids, flavonoids, and terpenes. So there's you know 500 of um, chemical compounds in the cannabis plant, 100 of them ish uh, cannabinoids, and you you know we've talked about one in particular so far in our conversation, which is THC, and uh, and of course we don't have a lot of THC, so we're not a psychotropic drug, but we do have CBD, and that's quite a big um, uh, market at the moment. It's gaining a lot of no, um, interest from consumers. In New Zealand or elsewhere? Oh, all over the world. The CBD, all 
Yeah, I mean the 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 American. I mean it's 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 an economic boom and bust over in America. They attracted so many farmers to it. There was no processing equipment to handle it, um, so all these farmers sort of got burnt because they were producing a whole lot of plants that were grown for CBD, and there wasn't really a market for it. The market's there, but there was no one to process it to the market, and then they saturated the market. So, you know, the, these things happen in the, in an economic sense, but um, but the awareness of CBD. Uh, is is massive and and the potential market it's it's just one of those again one of those markets in in the hemp industry that is um you know double digit annual growth uh, rates um and and huge potential and and this is in this health and wellness sort of market which as you'll be aware is is just growing exponentially so you know, if, if people can get help with their sleep or you know relief from uh, um anxiety or, or pain or you know people are looking for those and they're getting um some success with um so these products we've got the seed which can make oil and make a cake and like for flour we've got the fl- the flour of the plant that can make a food we've got the leaves and we've got the roots um and they have potentially good health uh outcomes if you try them if i went along to my local health shop could i buy these uh well not not in most health shops, I wouldn't have thought, because um, what we now are getting into is a conversation about um, THC is a controlled drug, yeah, as you yeah. would imagine, under the Misuse of Drugs Act, but CBD is a prescription medicine. Oh. So, you know, it's a double whammy. Um, we now have the Misuse of Drugs Act hitting us on the head, although we're not really relevant because we have no THC, but our regulations sit under the Misuse of Drugs Act, so it's hard to avoid the connection. And you have the Medicines Act, which, of course, as as you'll be aware, is being changed to the Therapeutic Products Bill, including the natural health side, natural health products. So the Medicines Act can hit us on the head because CBD is a prescription medicine. So um, in general, the medicinal companies... Um, produce these sort of products that have both THC, CBD, and you can get them as a prescription from a doctor um, and that that way. Um, anecdotally, I mean, people, you know, get on the net and, you know, um, have their CBDs sent over from Canada and things like that, the people that are really that interested. But it's not something that you could get across the counter at this stage from a pharmacy in New Zealand legally. Now, that said, you know, in the hierarchy of prescription medicines, that's very tight control for CBD, which the WHO and the UN, you know, consider as um, pretty safe with very low risk. So having it as a prescription medicine is is very high um, level of mm. compliance, whereas, you know, having it as a pharmacy only and moving it down that medical classification is obviously something that we're all working towards. And there's an appetite, I believe, within the government to see that happen. But ultimately, at a, at a dosage and a pack size that's appropriate for the market, then it should be available over the counter. You know, vitamin D, it, it, it can be lethal at high doses, whereas, you know, you can buy it as a supplement over the counter. So, again, there's ways of approaching this that can accommodate. So looking at the hemp as a food, so far as I understand it, we've looked upon it, what you've told us is it's a health supplement um, with good products. It can be made in tea. 
Um, and there's the oil that has a good health profile with its amino acids and fatty. No, fatty. I think it was the oil that you were saying. What's it called? The ratio of the oils? Oh, for the essential fatty acids, omega-3 yes, and six fatty acids. Sorry, my mistake. But and, that's hemp seed oil, right? yes. which is different, again, to hemp oil, which yes. is extracted from the leaf and the plant and the okay. flower and top. Uh, is there a basic food that comes from the plant or is it really in that supplement area and tea? It's like a, a um, more specialised. Is there a food like, you know, like I can cook a potato? Is there something like that? Uh, well, the seeds themselves, which are in their perfect little container, you know, yeah. for storage. Uh, I remember, you know, when I lived in London, you'd go to Spitalfields Market, buy three kgs of seed, have them in your cupboard, and then you'd make your milks and you would grind them up and things like that. Um, so, yeah, as, as far as a... Um, you you'd know, buy three kg uh, of the seed? I used to back in the day, and then you'd come home and you, you know, just put them on a skillet and dry roast them, put a bit of paprika or sea salt in them. That's a little bar snack while you're having a beer watching the game. No, you know, the, those sort of things. Um, there's lots. So of like ways. a pop, like a like a sesame seed or something. Sure, sure. Not not like a pop. It doesn't pop like a popcorn, but it, it does sort of open up. But it's very, very, very lovely to eat. And then so just giving them. I feel them as though I diet. haven't lived. I feel as though. Oh, and the, and, the, and the milk. I mean, the milk was just it's it's Tell amazing. Me about the so, milk. How's the milk work? Well, it's it's a very you know in the in the simplest sense, mixing hemp seed with water, blending it up. Sifting off the, um, you know, the 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 grit, you know, the yes, the hulls and things like that, um, and you're left with this lovely white milk. That's there. It is, you know, it's as simple as that. And then you could turn that because it's it's got very similar um, qualities as an egg white. So you know, making tofu and things like that is, wow. is the next step. Is it's just very easy. So it's it's as an ingredient, hemp seeds just a wonderful ingredient and um, can really add all sorts of nutritional benefits to products to food products, uh, from breads, cakes, as you mentioned, all the way through to, to drinks. Um, and then, then of course, you've got the hemp seed or uh, the hemp oil, which could be used in all sorts of um, now that's, uh, drinks. You've got the seed oil and then Correct. we've got the hemp oil from the plant itself. Tell us about the hemp oil. So, so that's more when people are talking about a CBD oil. Okay, um, okay. So the, and and when you're talking in terms of um, using it as a natural health product or the health and wellness, people talk in terms of the entourage effect. So instead of taking one single isolated CBD and and having a you know a pill that is you know classic pharmaceutical um, approach of a single molecule in a pill and you know prescription for that so what people are doing and what people are more interested in is saying well no we want to look at the synergistic relationship of all parts of the plant and and how it works when it's kept together and this this is sort of termed the entourage effect where all the plant is blended up in, in extract so you've got not just a cbd mm -hmm. but you've got the other cannabinoids mm -hmm. you've got the terpenes you've got the flavonoids and all those things are in this um uh, whether it be a liquid or a tincture or however you're going to want to take it orally or on the body. And, and you know, it, it works better together. And, and the reason why this um, CBD and these cannabinoids are very important um, to the human body is because of a recent discovery in the 90s when the doctors realised there's this endocannabinoid system within the body. So this is a similar to a nervous system 
um, or a circulatory system. So we all knew how the blood flowed in the circulatory system, but we didn't know much about this endocannabinoid system. And endocannabinoid means um, endo produced by the body. So the body produces these cannabinoids. And what this endocannabinoid system does is keep homeostasis in the body. So if your body's um, out of balance in some way, this endocannabinoid system helps focus what's required to fix that and get you back into balance. Now, of course, as you can imagine, with high states of anxiety and toxins and you know processed foods and things like that, the endocannabinoid system, the cannabinoids our body can produce, um, need some support, need some help. And um, and lo and behold, you know those same cannabinoids can be found from plants. And it just so happens that the cannabis plant has um, a, a very high concentration of useful um, cannabinoids that connect to receptors all over the body and all over the organs, a lot of it um, for THC, for example, in the brain. But it, it, it's the point is that it, 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 the body has all these receptors, CB1, CB2 type receptors that you know attract cannabinoids and, and we can supplement those endocannabinoids with this plant-based cannabinoid. And that's where this entourage effect really kicks in because all those cannabinoids are connected and they're already um, collected into that product. So there's massive amounts of work being done in this space um, particularly by the medicinal companies because they need to do clinical trials so they can sell it as a um, uh, make medical claims. But a lot of the people involved in the health and wellness industry just want to get their products out there because they know that um, they, they have tremendous um, potential for success and uh, there's a demand out there. And, and that's a market that we, we really need to look into. And that's the... And could I buy it uh, uh, now in New Zealand? Um Yes, under prescription, if you have a prescription. Um, um, as I say, people, you know, uh, if, if they're really keen, uh, buying it from green fairies and the like. So you may have heard of uh, that, which is sort of going into that sort of grey area, that illicit market, um, and others are ordering it online. Um, but there's a there's a, a worldwide there's... But isn't there's, it terrible? Because I have friends who have their teenage daughter who had anxiety issues and I think period pains for some mm. reason I think that Queen Victoria used it for her menstrual cramps you know okay oh wow and um how do you know that anyway um they had uh, they said oh they're getting on cabin cabinoids or something and they're getting it online and my immediate reaction and I'm sorry to say but I'm I'm just Joe public and I think oh you're doping up your kid, you know, because I heard cabinoid. Cannabinoid, yeah. Cannabidiol yeah. is the CBD. But it but sounds that's... like cannabis. And I actually yeah. thought they were giving a medicinal marijuana or cannabis, but it's not. It's something entirely different is what you're telling me. Well, it, it's not necessarily entirely different because even medicinal cannabis, they can have high THC, but they can also have uh, low THC products that contain, ah. you know, quite a high amount of, say, CBD, depending on what you're trying to uh, work I'm your uh, worst on. interviewer, aren't I? Because I'm just Joe Pack who hears cannabis and runs a mile. And this, you, that makes this. you ideal because if, if, <laughs> if we can get you across the line, we've got the, I've got hope yeah. in, the, in the general Well, population. it's <laughs> funny you say that. Because I remember, it must have been when the trials come out, but I remember, I'm thinking it's 1997 or something, my colleague in Parliament, Ken Shirley, um, reporting to caucus at length um, about hemp fibre. And um, 
he is very scientific, very sound, um, and got a great brain. And I remember thinking, oh, there must be something here if he's into it. And then I sort of forgot about it until now. Um, but it's just interesting that when my friends told me this, and they said they were getting a great result um, for their daughter, and I had just assumed she was stunned. <laughs> and, <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to have to apologize to them. I didn't say anything because I'm too polite, but I thought, oh, yeah, I suppose if you're stoned all day, you feel good. Well, well but that that be the point because um, that person probably didn't, you know, and a, and a lot of people um, don't want the side effect of being no. stoned. So, so their um, health and wellness product, you know, they want CBD and, and the cannabinoids that don't have a psychotropic effect. Yeah. Now, some of these might have a psychoactive effect. You know, chamomile yeah. tea calms you down. That could be considered psychoactive. So, yeah. Um, but th- so that's why I'm stressing the psychotropic because that's the one the THC's got. You know, the high. Yeah. And yeah. and and many of these um, formulations don't have any of that. So and, you know, they're they're very safe to be able to be used. And there's also the fiber. You've got food, fiber, and health in your tagline. There's the fiber now. What is that? Like can make a flax skirt or something or uh yeah, yep, absolutely. So so the the fiber is the you know the 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 third sort of part. You know, the growers underpin everything we do, but food, fiber, and health, as you've said. And hopefully we'll get to the get back to the arable um horticultural yeah. discussion. But but with fiber, we've moved back to an arable crop. So um it's a um generally a broad acre crop. And you have oh, I see. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just so if I was growing it for health, you're thinking horticulture and it's grown a certain way. If I'm thinking I'm growing it for the fiber, I'm on a large scale growing it a different way. Is that the point? Absolutely, that's the point. Now, so I can't, I don't have um, a paddock of, of hemp and I'm getting the horticultural use of it, I'm getting the fiber. I sort of grow it for a specific purpose. Ultimately, that 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 will be the aim. At the moment, you can be growing it for a dual purpose. So you could grow a seed or a fibre crop, go through and harvest the flowering tops and have those for your health and wellness products. But if you were growing for a health and wellness industry, you would be growing in a horticultural um, way because you wouldn't want your plants to be pollinated. So they would be unpollinated female plants and they would be invariably individual plants, you know, so they would be big, bushy Christmas trees that you're trying to get as much leaf and flowering top out of. Whereas in a fibre crop, you're getting very, very, you know, all the plants are very close together because you want lots of stems. You don't want okay. that. Okay, I apologise. I got that now, yes. So I'm yeah, and, and it, well, it's a very interesting topic that horticultural. So we'll get back to that one. So okay. the next, so going back to fiber. Yeah, I, I'm growing it now for fiber on. A, you said arable in an arable way as opposed to horticulture, and what's it? How's it processed, and what's it used for as a fiber? Okay, so a fibre crop um, is, is processed in a similar way, uh, well, it's harvested in a similar way to the what you do with the seed because you would, in the sense of the seed, you'd put a, um, a forest harvest of 
through the crop on a combine to knock off those tops and they would be threshed and you'd get the seed. And then you can either do another pass and, and sickle bar them, um, the stems down, or they can go through at the same time and just be laid out behind the combine. And so suddenly now you've got this seed in the bin and that's got to, um, you know, you've got to get the moisture out of that real fast. Otherwise you get a bit of product and you've got this fibre on the ground. Now the, the fibre can then be bailed up um, and then uh, stored until it's called for by the processing factory. Now, the problem with that fibre processing is up until about three years ago, we didn't have a fibre processor in New Zealand. But during the COVID period, um, a company, a joint venture between Hemp NZ and Carfields, a big agricultural um, family company down in Ashburton, bought uh, and who had a company called in. Uh, uh, Yarn NZ um, installed a processing line into a factory in Christchurch. So now we do have a factory that can what we call decorticate the stems of industrial hemp. And what that means is that they take the stem and they remove the long bast fibre from the outside of the stem and you're left with this inner woody pith that we call the herd or the shiv. And that, that herd and bass fibre are two sort of commodities, as it were, from the stem. So if you've got a whole stem, it's very hard to, to deal with. I mean, you can compress it and make it into a hemp wood product and there's other things you can do. But once you split those up, then you can really um, get started on the, on the value add because then we can start talking about the products you can make. So having that decortication process in the country was a, it's a massive step forward for mm. the fibre industry because now we do have, now I can go and buy a bale of hemp fibre, bass fibre, and I can buy um, um, hemp herd. And the herd, if we talk about that first, is, is traditionally it's used in, in overseas countries as a horse bedding or an animal bedding because it's very absorbent. Um, it can also be used in all sorts of ways um, because of its high cellulose content into paper manufacture and that sort of thing. But one of the biggest uses in New Zealand is that it's made into a product called hempcrete. So that's the hemp herd mixed with a lime and water solution, and it makes a, a product like concrete, only maybe a sixth of the weight, doesn't require reinforcing, and it's just a wonderful um, building material. So what, what I mean by building material is it can be used as a internal insulation and an external cladding, although there's all sorts of issues with getting code compliance for new cladding, of course, leaky buildings and things. Um, but the it's a monolithic building approach. So you would just have your boxing and you would tap this um, hempcrete mixture, which you've mixed in a similar thing to a concrete mixer, and you just tap that down into the into your moulds or your shuttering, remove the shuttering, and then you've got an interior wall and an exterior wall wow. done. And it's, it's it's truly and and like you know healthy, no mould in these buildings, um, acoustically great, thermally great, warm in the winter, cool in the summer, so that's saving you costs of heating and cooling in those those periods. Um, it's just a phenomenal building material, and people are so now you, making. You don't need a cladding, you don't need insulation, and you don't need the chip. No, well, correct, but um, you, you would probably still want to render it on the outside, which was okay. one way of, of uh, protecting it a little bit more okay. with a lime, a breathable lime render. Um, that said, you know the cladding is a bit of an issue, so you might still have to put on some 
you know, some corrugated iron or some okay, fiberboard okay. or some things like that. Just until um, it just takes a long time sometimes to get code of compliance for a cladding. Yeah, uh, but yeah. there's work being done on on these mixtures, and um, it's a really exciting space. And like for you know tilt slab buildings, and there's um, a lot of people wanting to look at panels and using blocks to really speed up the process. Um, and there's a lot of interest of you know, I mean, the, grow your own home. Yeah. You know, so, so look, you know, we're trying to, and I mean, it would, it's really suitable for you know community and in, in, in endeavors like a, um, you know, there's a bit of interest from Iwi about you know maybe working on something in the Marae and then building you know some homes for the older people and 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 then you're talking about well what sort of buildings do you want what's important for that. Um, that market. I mean, yeah. is it is it a, a five bedroom, five bathroom, or is it more of a, a tiny house approach and these sort of mm. things? And so there's massive potential, and that would really help the industry scale because construction could be a big user of that herd and possibly the fiber because the fiber could be used for insulation material, like uh, um, you know your bats. And you do see wool bats, and there used to be a hemp wool bat um, made by new wool products down in Nelson many years ago. Um, and, and so it, it has been done in the past, and these products are, you know, could really um, help put the economics together because suddenly something like that that's using a lot of raw material, that yep. means that there's now a bankable business plan for somebody to put in another decortication unit because they know if they can process the um, fibre the the stems they've got a market for them and of course these are bioregional developments as well Rodney you know the, these things the these uh, bankable business plans around for example a decorticator have to happen close to where the crop is grown because yep. transport yep. would kill you otherwise so so now you're looking at regional development you know we're we're out near the farmers those those initial primary processing factories have to be close to where the farming goes on which is going to attract more people and more opportunities and then you know if you're making a uh, if you're processing the seed you know drying seed and things like that then you've got all sorts of um you know tech people that need to be done for testing and you know, there's and transport that, companies and all sorts of things are affected. And that herd was the outside of the stem. So, well, the, the best fibre in two layers on the outside of the stem, and this herd is the inner woody sort of pith. Okay. And, okay. And so the outs, what was it that made the concrete-like thing? Was that the outside or the inside? That was the inside. That's the herd. Okay. What do you do with the outside? Anything? Right. So th these are best fibres. So, um Back in the day, when um, when there was fleets of sailing ships going around, you know that was the heyday for um, natural fibres, especially hemp, because hemp rope and hemp for sails um, lasted a long time compared to some of the um, other raw materials, that, natural fibres that they had available at the time. Mm. So when when um, you know the ships came to New Zealand, um, they discovered, of course, um, Halikiki, the local flax, and that had very similar properties. So they thought, well, that's great. We don't have to grow a whole lot of hemp in New Zealand. We'll we'll um, set up the penal colony in New South Wales and grow hemp over there. 
Um, so, you know, we, we dodged a bullet there. Um, but, you know, there, there was real use of these fibres in producing the rope and the sails, but also the uniforms that they wore, the oil that they used in their, um, for writing, the, the paper that they wrote on in their maps, they would have all been made of hemp as well. The forking that they used in their boats to seal them and waterproofing would have all been hemp. And uh, the oil in their lamps would have been hemp seed oil to light their um, lamps and things. So it had a massive effect. But from the point of view of the fibre, it's really um, traditionally a textile has been a big user. And there's some lovely fabrics. I mean, this is naturally antifungarial, antibacterial, antistatic, antimicrobial. So for those reasons, it really suits um, linen for hospital bedding and things like that. These industrial type um, applications, hotels, um, and it, and and of course all the way through to you know apparel and shirts and jeans and you know the original things that would have been made from recycled sales like Levi's would have been made from industrial hemp in the day. So, in your vision, you can see not only a big uh, crop. But a huge industry growing out of uh, hemp. For sure, you know the the value add is, is massive, and that, and that's part of our problem. You know, we've got too many points, not enough penetration. Yeah. You know, yeah. where do you go? Um, because people will say to me, you know, oh well, can you make textiles? And and yes, we can. Um, but in New Zealand, we don't have the infrastructure that we used to have around weaving. Is it got- anywhere in the world? That this is all happening. Uh, China um, is, is one example. Um, France is is an example. They have had seven hundred years of uninterrupted industrial hemp use, um, but they don't have a massive. Um, again, if we're looking at textiles for for clothing. Um, they don't have a lot of infrastructure there. So um, their fibre, if they can get their fibre processed into a fine enough um, sliver that they can make into a yarn that can be spun into, a, as I say, into a yarn, then that can go into a weaving machine or a knitting machine. But those machines, you know, it might be in Italy, in the case of Europe, that actually make these wonderful fabrics. Um, or it might be in Hungary and Romania because um, there's still been a traditional use of it in those countries in Europe. Uh, China has gone, you know, a really step forward because they've um, watch this market develop and uh, and have move with the market, and they have the ability to um, you know make it scale. So although we may not be able to weave it ourselves here, we could be sending off value added fibre in forty four gallon drums of sliver that the Chinese or the Europeans then send Got back it. as fabric. While we attract those yeah. you know Italians to come down and share their knowledge about weaving and. And, and we, we, you know, sorry, really, but I should mention, you know, New Zealand companies in this sense. Um, Hemp Merino is, is a blend. They make a lovely beanies and jumpers, um, mixing the hemp fibre with Merino wool. So there's some real big compliments here for primary production as well, mm. wool particularly, um, with these fibres. Is it hard to grow? This is one of the benefits, really. I mean, we're talking about an annual crop, so we would sow it in anywhere from October to December, and it would be harvested generally in sort of uh, March, early April, depending on where you are in the country, um, because it's a, a phyto day length 
crop, so it, 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 it reflects how the um, summer days, when they start drawing in, the plant will start producing seed once it's pollinated and that sort of thing. So it grows in sort of, a, you know, your fibre crop might be out in 90 to 100 days, your seed crop might be 120 days. Um, it's grown in a similar sort of uh, time frame as maize, so over the summer period. It's great in rotation. Uh, we need a lot more New Zealand specific studies done to find out, you know, the benefits of have we removed nematodes from the soil, which means the potato crop goes better afterwards, or does the yeah. yield of another crop um, benefit from having hemp as the preceding crop? So we need to understand, you know, there's there's evidence from overseas, but there's nothing quite like New Zealand specific information to really make a difference. And so to understand how it fits in our farming rotation is a big part of it. Um, there's a lot of interest around um, the CO2 sequestration being yep. a plant. Um, and we're a bioaccumulator, so we grow a lot of biomass in a very short period of time. Mm. So we have the potential to really be that CO2 um, sequester, and then a lot of that, especially if it's in the roots, can be left in the soil. So quantifying that will have some gains because if we can um, include that in the number for the on-farm discussions around CO2 emissions and things, that's got to be good. We may not because crops aren't included in the emissions trading scheme, we may have to look at other uh, markets for those carbon credits, but they'll be developing because, as you'll be aware, you know, if there's a market, somebody's going to put the market together, you know, and mm-hmm. there'll be a some sort of um, exchange to be able to do that. Um, but the, the benefits of growing it um, in, include, you know, a, it can be grown very organically, and that would be definitely the way to go if you were growing for seed because there's that benefit of extra marketing from the organic aspect. Um, But it doesn't require a lot of chemical inputs. You know, it is a gross nitrogen feeder, so we do like a bit of nitrogen, but that's not a problem if you're in rotation with a dairy herd that's pouring nitrogen into the ground, so that's not a bad thing. Um, It doesn't require, you know, if, if you can get good establishment with your crop, and it can get a canopy going quicker. It, it can outcompete the weeds, so you may need less um, herbicides. Um, there, there will be ultimately pests and diseases that we have to consider, but at the moment, there's not a lot. You know, some caterpillars and some you know things, and we need to ha- keep an eye on. But um, because it doesn't have a lot of pests and things, you might need less insecticides. Um, and, and you know, from a nutritional point of view, it can be uh, great at building up that humus layer. And if we have, again, a bit more studies in New Zealand, we'll understand a little bit more around some of the phytoremediation benefits. And what we're talking about there is phyto plants remediating soil. So we're using, using plants to break up compacted soils because, you know, if we've got a root structure that can break it up and then we can help with that sort of thing. But in, but particularly it has um, been noted that, um, and some studies have, have confirmed, that it can help lift heavy metals out of the ground. So if you, you know, it wasn't too long ago that we were spraying DDT everywhere and things like that. I mean, you know, that's no longer productive land, particularly for food. But if we can get in there and use plants to help shift that out, um, then there's a, a tremendous opportunity there to recondition and clean soils. Do you, you have been at this a long time. Uh, yeah, I, I joined um, the association with Mac in about 1998. So, yeah, and and uh, Mac re- 
um, retired as the chair about three or four years ago. So, so you've been at this for 25 years? Not full time. I'm an accountant by trade, so um, it's it's. Uh, but they, and now I just do bookkeeping, so it gives me the flexibility to to follow this. But it's but, it's a time whose idea has come, Rodney. You're I mean, passionate, right? Oh, for sure. And there's loads of um, there's many many of us, <laughs> but we're just not. Again, we've we've got that um, image problem, and we're not getting out. We're not telling our story well enough for people to be um, engaged, and, and therefore we're not attracting the end users, which are the people that are going to turn this industry on. Because we we can grow it. We've just discussed how it's good for the you know the farmer to grow. So the grow you know the farmer is willing to grow, but because of the land value in New Zealand, they've got to get a return, and they know what the return is from maize or from cattle or from cows or whatever. So we need to get you know, make sure that we can add value and process it and afford to pay the farmer a good amount of money for them to grow it. And therefore, what markets are willing to pay that possibly a premium price to begin with as their raw materials or ingredients in their business plan. So we need those um, end users to come along, particularly to things like the summit, to hear what it is all about. Because well. If we can yeah, find a competent, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 an amazing story. You've got the summit coming up in Christchurch, I can see, uh, at the ridges, uh, on the what is it, the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of August this year. Yes. What will the summit? Who will be there, and what will it achieve? You hope. Well, the there'll there'll be uh, there's room for two hundred odd um, de- uh, attendees, so we're hoping it'll be like we had in two thousand eighteen at our first summit, a sellout. That'd be great. Um, there'll be in past summits, we've had a bit of a range of people involved in um, a lot of farmers in the first two summits. So we're anticipating that some of the farmers will be still present because they're interested in it as, as an alternate land use. Um, all of the universities and ecosystem, you know, the R and D ecosystem, the the Crown Research Institutes, the Callahan Innovation, Bioprocessing Alliance, Agmart, you know, and Agmart's been fantastic for us in the past in supporting us. But those um, R and D ecosystems are very engaged with industrial hemp. They can see the potential, and some of these things are just. For scientists, it's like you mentioned phenols and, you know, little extracts that, you know, are present there. And if we could get them out by the kilogram, they're worth hundreds and thousands, well, thousands of dollars, you know. And wow. it's like some In some cases, you know. So there's a lot of excitement there for the R&D community because they can see that this has been a plant that hasn't been studied for 90-odd years because of prohibition. There's a huge demand for all sorts of tech so we're trying to attract tech people along to understand that, hey, you know, in within the next 10 years, we can either spend a lot of money paying the Europeans or the North Americans for a license to use their technology, or we can develop that tech in New Zealand and export that. 
Mm-hmm. So there's product that we can export, but also you know processing equipment, you know um, tech in the sense of um, you know patented products or trade secrets and formulations and things like that. So a massive amount that you know the trade secrets with regard to maybe New Zealand botanicals for that health market and things like that. So there's, those tech people need to be there. We really want you know the government and the regulator. Um, the regulators will be presenting, so we'll have a session on that. Um, but really that, you know, what we really, really, really need in there is these end users. Who is going to um, see the value of going, oh, my gosh, I make a composite product. There's a, an e-bike manufacturer in um, Wellington, and um, they use hemp in the composite. Um, I think it's part of the, uh, the paneling that they have for their, for their storage part of the bike. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, it would be great to have um, Team New Zealand and win the America, yes. you know, America's Cup powered by a hemp component <laughs> in their boat um, because we're, we're right up there with carbon fibre in a lot of these cases. We're light. Uh, you know, we can really be used. And those those natural, as I said, antifungal, antibacterial, antistatic, antimicrobial, you know, medical devices, filters, absorption, you know, there's a lot of um, industries out there, you know, the oils that we talked about, they're not all going to be human food grade, there's going to be some that's animal, which we have an issue with, if you want to, we can take a deep dive on that as well, Um, but there's also industrial oils, abrasives, lubricants, that you know could be used. I mean, this is a chemical treasure trove. If you start to talk about circular economy and biorefineries, I mean, you know, it was only a hundred and something odd years ago, 150 years ago, that we all started using um fossil fuels. Now, Henry Ford at the time was saying, well, whatever you can make out of hydrocarbons, you can make out of carbohydrates. Mm. Now, of course, we decided to use the easy fossil fuels route. Um, and we've ultimately set up a whole um, value chain around that. Now, we can replicate that using carbohydrates, of course, but it's going to take some time. So there's a lot of opportunities in there. How extraordinary. And this is because you mentioned 90 years. This plant was demonised as a crop because of the drug, and therefore it's not been looked at in terms of its food, fibre and health and industry uses because of that. Is that is that the situation, really? It's been 90 years of not being looked at. In many, in many cases, yes, Rodney. So in, in 1937, the Marijuana Act, Tax Act, so it was taxed out of existence in, by the Americans in 1937, and then you had this reefer madness yeah. Um, come in, which, which as you said, demonised <coughs> industrial hemp and, and lumped it all in with uh, marijuana, a Mexican slang word for for cannabis, and wow. and, it, and no one knew what marijuana was. So when they introduced the Marijuana Tax Act, the American Medical Association said, "I don't know what marijuana is, so I'm not worried about it." You know, the the seed and grain industry said, "Well, I don't know what marijuana is, I'm not worried about it," until. They didn't have, in case of the seed and grain industry, you know, the canary birds love the hemp seed in their meal, in their in their in their grain for food, and suddenly the the manufacturers realise that oh, if we they've outlawed marijuana, which means that I can't grow hemp, which means I don't have hemp seed, and the medicinal people who you know cannabis tinctures were in the you know, three of the top ten. Um, 
medical preparations in the American pharmacopoeia up until the late 1800s. So, you know, cannabis was being used as a medicine for many, many years. Eli Lilly, you know, Park Davies, these were all, they all made products that had cannabis in them. And, of course, they all went, and the American Medical Association just couldn't believe it, you know. It was like, oh, man, wow, no, you, know, you can't do this, and then it was too late. Um, so That's extraordinary. And, and there was a lot of, and then that flowed around the world, of course, and the UN Convention in 1961. But so there's been some traditional use, you know, the 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 Nepal and the Chinese and the and the French I mentioned before. They've they've continued to use industrial hemp, and we're just starting to get back into that. But we've got the same technology for this decortication process that we were talking about with regard to the primary processing of fiber crops um, is using the same hammer mill action that they did you know, 100, 200 years ago. Well, to be fair, it was manual. And then in 1917, a guy called Shitland came up with a mechanical process, and that was patented in 1937. And in 1938, the, the Popular Mechanics magazine, which is a, it's still going now, had a, um, an article saying the billion-dollar crop. And it was talking about all the uses of hemp fibre that could now be um, obtained because they had this mechanical process that allowed them to um, be able to use a lot more stems and create a lot more um, herd and fibre because it was mechanical. Now, of course, in 1938, that was a year after the Marijuana Tax Act came in. So unfortunately for old Mr Shitland, it was um, bad timing because his device never went any further than that. And that My was goodness. The- that was the only mechanical device. So we, we, we've we got decorticators now, but the same hammer mill action. But, you know, with new technology, I mean, in New Zealand, we could look at geothermal, um, you know, using thermal explosion. We could use um, ultrasonics. There's all sorts of new science around yes. that can be employed, applied to this. And given that the high quality of these raw materials, you know, we've talked about the quality of the fibre, the quality of the seed, the connect, you know, there's a treasure trove of 500 chemicals in the leaf and the flower and tops and things. This is just at the beginning of a wonderful future about, and because if we can break it down. And it's a resource that has been on ice for since 1937. Correct. Uh, and this is a renewable resource grown yeah. every year, wow. um, which is good to grow. So, and wow. <laughs> well, Richard, I would like to have you back if I may if you'd be willing, because I'd like to cover off two things. I mean, I did. I'm I'm the worst example because I just thought, oh, yeah, hemp, um, marijuana, you know, Rastafarian, dope smoker. But this is what you're saying is this is a an industry, a product that hasn't been properly used or studied with all the new techniques and understandings that we have for all this time and so it's an undiscovered resource in terms of modern times because of legislation um so it's remarkable it was a remarkable and i i i've actually picked up on your passion um i'd like to do two things if i may i'd love to have you back and i'd love to cover off how you got into this and how you've sustained yourself because in terms of enthusiasm, because I don't know, I imagine when you're young, you start out and you think, oh yeah, a couple of years, I'll put my mind to this and we'll have an industry up and running. And here we are. Um, So I'd love to cover off all of that 
those disappointments and highs and where you've got to. And I'd also love to cover off this whole history of how this product um, was, what's, you know, demonized because of the cannabis part of it, the THC part of it, and therefore countless industries affected, because that to me is quite a remarkable story. Would you be up for that? Uh, yes, and there's, there's um, I can put you in touch with other people. Um, oh, great. That that um, have a have an interest in that space as well. The 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 big one um, that we haven't sort of talked about uh, in the sense of an ind- affecting industry is the situation with the animal food. But that's you know a, quite a um, a big oh, conversation. We'll cover that too. Um, but yeah, happy to happy we'll to have talk. A, well, dialogue. you've done you've done me uh, a wonderful service because you've opened my eyes. And I have to say, when I went to your webpage, just what is your webpage again? It's the industrial hemp. So nzhia.com is the New Zealand Hemp Industries Association's yes. uh, website and hempsummit.nz is um, for the promotion for the summit this year. Right. And right. Uh, that's, as you mentioned, 24th to the 25th of August down in Christchurch. We're hoping to have a bit of a day before and definitely have a welcome event on that Wednesday um, when we'll have our NZHIA AGM but, um, that afternoon. But it'll be great. It'll be a big two days of uh, sharing information, looking at the gaps in the value chain because they're the ones that need plugging, as you said, you know, is it science or understanding? You know, these these are things that we need to develop to make the economics, economics and the environmental implications come to light. And, and so that, that's really the tagline of the summit this year is taking action. We want, we, you know, as you can imagine, right now, 20, 24, 25 years, it's now time to take action. You know, we, we want resilient supply chains around building materials. We want resilient supply chains around food and, and health outcomes. Mm. You know, we need to take action now because it's going to take some time to bring in a, you know, more decorticators, more machinery, well, more value add. Well, good for you. Uh, thank you, Richard. That was Richard Barch. He's the chairperson of the New Zealand Hemp Industry Association. As it turns out, I always thought it was a sort of sneaky way of getting cannabis into the country, but now I can see it, that we've had this whole industry and plant and everything it can do um, put on ice because of marijuana and lost a lot of opportunity. And what Richard's saying is there's a big opportunity here for New Zealand, big opportunity for lots of countries, uh, particularly with the uh, new technology, because for 90 years, uh, this plant hasn't been looked at with technology. That was a very real talk with Rodney Hyde on Reality Check Radio. Thank you for tuning in. What a wonderful guy. We'll talk to him again, because I want to find out how you keep going against all odds. Talk soon. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am.